You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat presented by Manscaped. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We appreciate each and every one of you listening. I am Amanda, and I'm joined, as always, by my vociferant co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Please make sure you find us on Twitter. Follow the show there at Half Street High Heat for all the latest news and announcements and fantastic giveaways. More on that in a bit. Also, don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, which is updated daily with all kinds of good stuff, including um, there's a great wrap-up out there right now of the Orioles series, and I believe about to be a good uh, preview of the Red series. So make sure you check that out. How are you guys doing? I'm pretty good. Uh, I got some new hard seltzers and uh, mm-hmm. just trying now the uh, truly tropical punch and it's quite delightful I feel like uh, it's the best you know beverage to prepare me for a great show it does sound good <laughs> I had some pineapple rum cream some kind of thing I, I don't even know I was at the liquor store picking up whiskey that my husband sent me to get and I saw it and I like boat drinks so I got it and it's really delicious mixed with pineapple juice it's kind of like a pina colada but a little bit more 
a yes. little bit more uh, pineapple-y. While we're on the subject, you know, we were going to record yesterday, but one of our hosts decided not to podcast and drink, drink and podcast. I want, I I want the way. record. I want it on the record saying she was like, I had this. Sorry, not she. This person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for the love they of God. They had two drinks, so they were heavily intoxicated, borderline blacking out. Um, so. That's not exactly what I said. I think what I said was, "I'm she, two drinks oh, in." No, th this person said they were two <laughs> drinks in and were unable to record. They would not have passed a podcast breathalyzer. Physically, were unable to. Yes, yeah, physically, physically unable, unable to, perform, to perform, as they oh, say. Oh. Yes. So I, uh, I'm a super lightweight. I don't drink a lot. So two drinks is a lot for me. And I was drowning my caps sorrows last evening. So uh, yeah, I was not fit to podcast. You guys don't want to hear me in my cups. Try to talk about the Nats. I don't think. That would be like the only time I do want to hear you. <laughs> wow. That was somehow both an insult and a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. You weren't the only one who got uh, a little under the influence yesterday. Ah, that damn frozen drink. Um, I had a great weekend. Thanks for asking, Nick. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to my first my first Nats game of the year on Friday. Yay! Was, How was it? It was um absolutely insulting. So I got my nachos, which I'm in love with those nachos. I, I was trying to find a fork, so I asked the very nice lady in a suit. I was like, excuse me, ma'am, do you have a fork? And she goes, no forks here. And I said, but I have nachos. And she goes, I'm sorry, we don't have forks. And I go, oh, okay, and just stared at her really awkwardly and walked away. I made a point. But then the very nice lady in the suit found me and gave me silverware, so I was able to eat my nachos. Wow. Even though there's no ice cream, I highly offended there was no ice cream there. Um, but it's okay because the pain of no ice cream helped me enjoy Olivia Rodrigo's new album even better. Um, Songbird of Our Generation, by the way. If you guys haven't listened to it, fantastic. Check it out. Streaming anywhere. <laughs> Streaming anywhere. So let me ask you about your – what's your ice cream play when you are at um, Spark? So I like to get the, the vanilla chocolate soft serve swirl. Mm. Of course, it's the you only get it, option. You got to get it in the, like, the little ice cream cup too, the little like hat, the, the, the helmet. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, because when it melts, you just sit, tip it back and just drink it, right? Calories don't count when you're at a baseball game. Everyone knows that. I haven't been in a baseball game in two years. Um, by the way, the vodka sodas they have, fantastic. But I just want some damn ice cream. It was hot outside, and mm -hmm. I couldn't get my ice cream. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I almost sued. Yeah, I've been to one game so far this season, and it was not hot outside, so I was not, I was not game for ice cream. <laughs> it was like 45 degrees and it was like 80 40 mile an hour winds that night so it's not <laughs> super pleasant but now i actually never get the ice cream i'm not a big soft serve person i prefer the hard dip ice creams but i love the uh, the uh shaved ice that they do at the park it's fantastic the blue raspberry shaved ice is my favorite dessert item see i have nothing wrong with like the shaved ice italian ice all the other stuff. I do have a problem with frozen yogurt because it's just yogurt pretending to be ice cream. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, none of that. It's like, yeah, they have all these options and they're all fine. But what's the point of getting them when there's chocolate vanilla swirl soft serve available, especially in a souvenir hat cup? Mm -hmm. Just although some, I do love a good waffle cone. So sometimes I will get in in the cone yeah. if, if I if I, uh, you know, am feeling cone. But. Yeah, the power move is absolutely the chocolate vanilla soft serve. 
I, I'm just, like I said, not a huge soft serve person, although I do love a good waffle cone, especially like a, a freshly made waffle cone is really good. And I do agree with you that frozen yogurt is a vicious lie and shouldn't be allowed to exist. Okay. All right. See, common ground. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're going forward with our relationship. We can work with this. <laughs> it's exactly. We have found something we have in common. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Frozen yogurt is trash. Yep. Agreed. All right. So on that harmonious note, let's move on to our quick pitch. Um, today's quick pitch is about injuries, which are up nearly 20% league-wide so far this year. Um, kind of wanted to hear from you guys what reasons you think that might be. Um, Dave Roberts uh, talked to a reporter about this and said basically that you incur the risk. It should We probably shouldn't have started on time. We started too soon. This whole kind of sort of blaming the start of the season. But, of course, the players were the ones who didn't really want any changes to the season. They wanted to play it as it was. So it was just an interesting set of um, reasons he gave. What are your thoughts? I mean, the injuries were expected. There's a reason why all these pitchers were the first ones to sign and why a lot of them are signing above market value. Teams expected there to be an increase in injuries. Pitchers' um, stamina, their their workouts – the workload that they're going from, from just 60 games to 162 games, that's over a 1,000 innings that each team had to figure out how guys were going to pitch. There's going to be issues on the pitching side. That's nothing surprising at all. And then when you look at the players, again, that's over a 1,000 innings over the course of the season that they're going to play extra that they played last year. That's a whole nother level of stamina that they probably aren't up to right now. Um, just the stamina off-season workout may have been a little bit different because they had to work out for the stoppage, and then they had a short season, and then a kind of long off-season where they couldn't really do anything, but they could do stuff. So again, it was another interesting off-season. I just think all of that with the shortened season, not a lot of traveling. Now you're playing a full 162-game season. You're doing normal traveling, and the travel plays a wear and tear on guys every single year. Guys always talk about it. But now with all the extra workload that they're having, granted, it's a normal workload, but last year was so short, it's taking a toll on guys. I don't think anyone's surprised about the number of injuries. Um, It might be a little higher than the league was expecting, but a whole slew of injuries was fully expected coming into this year. Yeah, uh, Ryan hit the nail on the head. The, uh, you know, shortened season and uh, COVID uh, fallout, so to speak, just had a bunch of ramifications on, you know, the health of players because, you know, you go back to last year and there was, you know, a stoppage, but then they had to ramp up really quick to play the the shortened season and condensed season. And then they had a kind of a long off season with not much clarity because the COVID protocols didn't get figured out until, you know, a couple of weeks before spring training or was it during spring training? I don't even remember when exactly it was, but it was very late into the, the whole time frame. So no one really knew what they were doing. And then now you're back to a full season and it, it's not like you can just expect things to go back to the way they were. Uh, a lot of these pitchers in particular, they need to ramp back up, like Ryan said, and build their stamina. Um, but also just the way the game was trending before COVID Tommy John in particular has become a lot more prevalent than it used to be. You know, you see a lot of pitchers throwing a lot harder. I mean, throwing 100 used to be uh, world beating. And now it seems like every team has at least one or two guys that throw 100 out of their bullpen, let alone their starters. So, you know, with higher velocity and, and, you know, the more 
strain on your pitcher's arms, the more likely it is that they are going to get injured just the way it is. If you're going 110% every pitch, especially with the bullpen guys, you know, ramping it up, going 110% because they are only going to pitch an inning, you're, they're more susceptible to injury. That's just the way it works. So I don't have those like numbers in front of me, but again, just the way the game was trending, those types of injuries were increasing. So, you know, you factor in the, now the position players and they're not, you know, fully, uh, you know, built back up as far as stamina goes. And you have the fluke injuries, which, you know, can be attributed to guys not being, having control, whether it's pitchers or, you know, play, position players not finding the routines, whatever it may be because of the lockout. And it's just a bunch of different reasons why, you know, the injuries can be up and no one really could peg how much um, COVID in, you know, the, the, the shortened season and the, I keep wanting to call it a lockout. It wasn't necessarily a lockout, but I'm, I have lockout on the brain because of the, the CBA, but the, the, you know, inactivity, no one could predict how much it was going to impact player health and safety, but here we are. Yeah, I actually find myself wondering, I you know expected that there would be an increase in injuries this year, although it does seem rather striking how many injuries we're seeing. But I wonder about going forward what we're going to see, because some of these injuries may affect the individual players for more than just this season. I mean, obviously, you see guys all the time who don't maybe don't ever come back or take a couple of years to get back to what they were before a bad injury. And just in general, whether one season is going to be enough for these guys to get back, like it's such an unnatural thing, the the length of a baseball season and guys who had no minor leagues at all are maybe going to, I mean, how many of guys who might've made the majors maybe never do because of that lost season. And it's just the way this, all of this is going to affect baseball in the next, you know, two, three, five years, whatever, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But I think there's going to be sort of um, far-reaching effects that we really probably can't even see yet. Yeah. Again, like, it's hard to predict just how much COVID is going to impact the game uh, and, uh, across all sports, not just baseball, but, you know, this upcoming year, I mean, baseball's already the first to be playing their second normal season. season yeah, right. The second full season in, in, you know, the pandemic, so to speak. So they're the first ones going through it, but you, you never know what's going to happen in year two across all sports, year three, year four, year five. So it's just something you got to figure out. I'm sure other sports, more, you know, progressive sports are, are paying close attention to baseball and just how much, you know, this, situation is increasing injuries or mm-hmm. playing a part in that because you look at football and they're they're dealing with you know cba stuff as well but you have guys not wanting to do otas full speed yeah, even though they just added another game to their season right which is, yeah is they're, they're, they're doing you know walk through speed which i think is smart especially when it's may their season doesn't start till september so you know there's a bunch of fallout due to COVID and injury. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, But again, these injuries were increasing as is, and it's kind of commonplace for, like I said, Tommy John to happen. So I don't know how much attention they're really going to put into this. Fair enough. Okay. Let's move on from our quick pitch and get to the weekend review. Ryan, what you got for us this week? Yeah, we're approaching the 
quarter mark of the season. Um, and we take a look around at basically all the divisions and all the teams and how they're doing. History was made in a pretty interesting way when Seattle Mariners catcher Jose Godoy became the 20,000th player to make his MLB debut. Baseball has been playing for over 100 years and only 20,000 people have played. Truly amazing accomplishment. The Padres break out the, quote, swag chain as they are 9-1 and in their last 10 and they own MLB's best record. The Dodgers are also 9-1 in their last 10, and they now have the third best record in baseball. So much for that slow, slow start they had and how horribly worried everyone was about the Dodgers. After the Cubs' historically bad slow start, they are only two games out of first in the NL Central. They are 7-3 in their last 10, and Chris Bryant is quietly, who we should trade it for, making a case to be the NL MVP. To the best division in baseball by far, the AL East, the Tampa Bay Rays have won 11 straight games. They are now 30-19. and 19. The Red Sox are also red hot and have the league's best offense, and the Yankees sent a very loud message to baseball, sweeping the White Sox and their starter went four straight games going seven plus innings giving up zero earned runs the White Sox got swept by the Yankees and Liam Hendricks has only pitched seven innings in the month of May the Royals are six and four in the last 10 after losing 11 straight good for them the A's are still in first place in the West and this week they're set to visit Vegas and Oregon as they begin the possibility of relocation to the worst division in baseball the NL East in fifth place are the 20 and 23 Nationals. They swept the lowly O's, but when you're playing like this, anyone will take it. In fourth place are the 23 and 25 Phillies, who are very much falling apart. They dropped two, three to the Red Sox. They've lost eight of the last 10, and they have the worst defensive team in baseball. Um, I would say things are going better, but they play the Marlins, and the Marlins just blew them out. I think it's the ninth inning right now, so... Things are not getting better. And third are the 23 and 24 Marlins. They took two or three against the Mets, and they just take, took game one against the Phillies. In second place are the title them, excuse me, are the 23-24 Braves. They took three or four against the Pirates. Now they have a true test when they face the Red Sox. And this is going to say, was this weekend offensive explosion a mirage? Or are the Braves actually back? And first, somehow still alive are the 21 and 20 New York Mets 16 players from their opening day roster on the IL they lost two or three to the Marlins but the fact that they won one of those games when they only had two players from the regular season opening day lineup playing and they only have one guy active right now who has an OPS above 700 is something up next are the Rockies and they just lost game one this has been your week review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's you always hear me talk about how good Chili's is, but don't just take it from me. My boy Monty texted me on the pod thrice. He was like, Shaq, what should I get from Chili's? And I was like, get the Buffalo Chicken Ranch sandwich. And he gave the greatest review ever, and I have to share it. He says, Shaq, the Buffalo Chicken Ranch sandwich is sublime. A juicy chicken breast tossed in buffalo sauce and topped with lettuce, tomato, and crisp ranch dressing that made a mouth-watering combination, especially when I had my frozen strawberry margarita. You heard it from us. You heard it from Monty. Go to Chili's and get yourself the best chicken sandwich in the game. This has been your week in review. He is quite a wordsmith, isn't he? He's yeah. a man of, man of many talents. And many words. <laughs> and a new house. Congrats, Monty. Yes, congrats, Monty. That's amazing news. 
That is um, amazing news. All right. Oh so, God. what? I, ju- I just heard you. Was you were scratching your arm? I felt like that was in my inner ear. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I guess that was a little too close to the microphone. My yeah. new mic picks up a lot more than my yeah, old one. You should say bad radio there, but that sorry is... to point that out to everyone. But... Yeah, you had to make it. You had to make it a thing. Yeah. Um, so let's talk gnats. Uh, a sweep. A sweep is a fun thing to talk about. Sweet, 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 sweet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. It was a good weekend. It was also kind of a bad weekend. We had a couple players hit the IL. Will Harris with probably a phantom IL. Um. I don't think his hand truly was healthy when he came back. And then in his latest outing before he went to the IL, his fastball wasn't even touching ninety. Um. I don't think his hand is better. He needed to go back on the IL and just get things right. With his age, you kind of just hope this isn't it for him. You really hope this isn't going to be a career-ending injury. But when you are, you know, 36, 37, that is something you have to worry about, especially when it's clearly lingering. And Victor Robles hit the 10-day IL. He sprained his ankle very clearly against the Cubs. They, for some reason, sent him out there. And then the Nats were like, oh, no, he's completely fine. Don't worry about it. Completely fine. Um, he's just limping because he wants to. He's completely fine. Totally fine. And then yeah. on the IL. Bad. Yeah. Robles doesn't play the first two games. Third game, he's on the IL. What a shocker. Which sucks because he honestly was just starting to completely Finally starting to find his swing. Finally. And then this happens. It super sucks. And Will Harris is, that's a tough situation. You know, they did say when he came back, basically, that he was still getting the inflammation every time he throws, and he was just going to come back anyway and deal with it. Well, obviously, that's not working because he's looked awful. It's just, he's had a really tough tenure here with the Nats. If he can't get right, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for him, but he definitely has not been who they thought they were signing. Nope, and that's the, uh, you know, trick with signing any reliever is just how volatile they are. And obviously Will Harris's case is primarily due to injury, which happens in baseball. We were just talking about injuries and it can affect anyone at any time for any reason. Um, but as far as the O series goes, don't get me wrong. Like I, I am happy about it, but it's hard getting, you know, super pumped about something that they should do, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's it, the it, Orioles it, people, right. It would have been a problem if we didn't sweep or God forbid we had, you know, lost the series, then we would have really, you know, had something to talk about, but with the sweep, obviously you'll take it a sweep sweep, but I there mean, was some shaky starting pitching in there too. Those were, I mean, they had come from behind twice. Yeah. Um, Strauss went 5.1 innings on Friday in his return. One hit, four walks, four strikeouts. Corbin and Lester combined to give up eight runs in the first inning. Lester gave up five runs in his first inning. Corbin gave up three runs in his first inning. And the bullpen had to be worked. You had to work your bullpen against the Orioles, which... Not good. Yeah. But... When you're playing a team like the Orioles, you're facing non-competitive pitching. So you never truly were out of it, even they hung up that five spot, because you knew it's the Orioles. Their team isn't good. You're going to be okay, but you can't be doing that against good teams. It's good they they swept. They very much needed to. They needed this confidence booster. But like you said, there was some not-so-good starting pitching. But the offense did look good, which is great. Yeah, but as you pointed out, against non-competitive pitching, and you're not going to win games when you 
when you fall behind like that, you know, you face a team with decent pitching and you're never coming back from that. So it's good that they swept, no, nothing to complain about there. But when you dig a little deeper into what actually happened in those games and you picture that same performance against a decent team, it doesn't go that way. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, exactly convincing, which, you know, no. that, that might be nitpicking, but at the same time, you would have really ha- hoped that they would have, you know, driven it home and, you know, really made a point in the series that they've gotten right. And hopefully they can build on it. They're playing the Reds, which we'll get to in a little bit. So that's still, you know, an opportunity to kind of ramp up a little bit and, uh, you know, I don't want to say peak, but, you know, get into a good stretch when you have a little bit more of a competitive schedule coming up with the Brewers and the Braves and a couple other contenders, uh, you know, for the rest of May and heading into June. So, you know, again, we're not trying to be too negative, but definitely. This is not our positivity episode. Yeah, I definitely would have liked (laughs) to see more. As far as Strauss goes, it's about what I expected. His command wasn't great, you know, um, he only allowed one hit, but walking four in, especially in five and a third, is very unstrauss-like. It's not his characteristic. He rarely ever walks anyone. So the fact that he walked four and not his longest outing, uh, something to you know keep an eye on. But I wouldn't be too concerned because again, this is kind of what just you would coming expect. Back. And yeah, in his first outing, so definitely you know encouraging especially you know zero runs it's the outcome is really what matters there so i'm cautiously optimistic about him and his ability to you know regain some form so we we definitely need it with lester now struggling corbin still not and ross to to find his ground you had to point that out Mm -hmm. Uh, i was just that's your boy quietly throw it in there but yeah, Ross yeah. also not looking good. So, I mean, Max, it's a good thing Max is being Max this year because if he wasn't, we, we'd be in a really bad spot. But, but there was a little stretch there where the starting pitching looked a lot better. But, you know, as you said, this series, obviously three wins is great, and, and we needed it desperately to keep from falling too far behind the, you know, the, the top of the division. And we're only, is it two games back, two and a half games back? It's something crazy. Two and a half. Two and a half. God, this division is trash. But, um you know, the point is getting those three wins was important, but a more convincing fashion would have been really good, not only to make everybody feel better who watches them play, but to make themselves feel better, to give them some confidence. And hopefully they can continue you know, stringing some wins together here against the Reds. But, you know, it just, it, it still, it feels to me like the same team. It didn't feel a lot different, although a few players who we'll talk about in a minute are starting to heat up, but um, it felt like a lot of the same sort of performance, but against a bad team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll know more on our Thursday episode once we get a couple games into the Red Series. But there were some, you know, positive takeaways, especially, you know, individually from from key guys that uh, happened during the uh, Orioles series. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the guys who were heating up. Victor Robles was one of them, now on the IL, which sucks. Um, Hopefully when he comes back, he can continue to put it all together as he was finally starting to. But um, let's talk Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, and Juan Soto. Yeah, much, 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 much needed. Um, Kyle Schwarber over his last seven games, he's slashing 280, 419, 720. He has three home runs, seven RBIs, six walks in that span. Um, when okay. Kyle Schwarber is not hitting home runs, he's completely useless. But he has three home runs in the last seven games, so it's very nice. Josh Bell in his last seven, he's slashing 409, 458, 591. Wow. 
He has one home run, three RBIs, and two walks. Kyle and Josh have combined for 24 RBIs in their last 15 games. That is greatly needed for this team. Um, if they're going to do absolutely anything, this division is completely in shambles, as we heard in the week in review. Then those two are going to be extremely important. And then Juan, in his last seven games, he's slashing 333, 394, 500. Two strikeouts, one home run, two RBIs, and three walks. The power isn't there for Juan just yet coming off the injury, but, I mean, he's uh, his OPS is just below 900. The on-base isn't quite where you want to be with Juan either, but the point is he's getting hits. He's starting to take the ball a little bit more the other way, which we like to see, and he's not grounding out as much or nearly hitting as many ground balls. So Schwarber and Bell, they're red hot. Um Schwarber is up to his career numbers and everything. Josh Bell is finally hitting over 200. It just took to May 24th just to get him there. Still a long way to go for him. And Soto, once he gets that power back, once he's fully healthy, it would do tremendous things for this lineup because it's, it's going to struggle. But if you have those three grooving, things will get a little bit better. Yeah. So he is finally above 200 now? Is that Josh yep. Bell? Yeah, he's Josh saying like, 201 now. Yeah, I was well, say May 24th really is a magical day for the Nats, isn't it? Um, anyways. Uh, I was like, all day, I was like, how am I going to work that in somehow kinda, to piss it, Nick off? <laughs> it, it's crazy that, you know, Juan Soto has hit so many ground balls recently that when he finally hits one in the air, he forgets to run. Yeah, that was not good. That was tough. Yeah, and... As we saw, Davey um, made him apologize to the entire team, and Davey so, told Juan so that that was an embarrassment to the team. And so like, stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. I, I, I like it from Davey, you know? You got to make an example of someone. Um, your team's struggling right now. Your superstar player literally just stood there and watched the ball cost the team a run in a one-run game. That could have been the difference. Um, it was a horrible mental error. It's not a good look for him. It's not a good look for your team. Now, he'll probably never do this again in his career, but it. Davey just made the point. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to be held accountable. There's been times with previous managers, i.e. Dusty and Matt Williams, that players were getting the superstar treatment. Davey just made an example of saying, I don't care if you're a superstar or not get your act together. I'm going to call you out. And I liked it. He made an example out of him. Um, probably took a little too far saying it was an embarrassment, but no, I mean, the message was well-received and I, I like that David did that. Hold everyone accountable. I kind yeah. of agree with you that I like that he did it, but I don't like that we know about it. Like that should have been handled in house to me and he should have made him apologize to the team, but we didn't need to know that. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it's actually probably a good thing for the team to see a guy like Juan Soto getting you know, being forced to apologize because it, I think maybe it does make make the rest of the team feel it's like a cohesion thing, you know, where you like we really are all being treated the same. But again, I don't like when this kind of stuff gets public. I, I feel like teams should handle this within the clubhouse and, and we don't need to know every damn thing that goes on. Yeah, I'll clarify, like the actual act of reprimanding Juan Soto is not what was stupid. What was stupid was, like Ryan said, kind of just taking a little bit too far, calling it an embarrassment. Yeah, it's not a good look, but. I mean, Juan Soto is one of your superstar players. It, he, one of your only two. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't do much to embarrass you. Yeah, again, not a good look. You should have ran it out. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. My problem is Davies made some, continued to make, make some terrible, right. embarrassing moves. And it's just, it's hard to, you know, 
really take him seriously from my perspective it's like pot calling kettle black right i was gonna say yeah listen kettle i don't think you need to be calling people out it's just (laughs) i get it and and i i agree with you man if you know we had uh not heard anything in a guy handled in house and behind closed doors whatever you know maybe i would be sitting here criticizing davy for not doing it even though I, i wouldn't have known any better that's something I would do, to be honest. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, this just felt like Davey saying, oh, let me try to make an example of him rather than just like doing it. Does that make sense? It like, does. I know what you're saying. It, it, it's I so don't, performative. I don't, I don't even have an issue with him making it public. I think it's better that he did. Like, again, let everyone know. And like that went around also. Like whenever Acuna doesn't run anything, you never really hear anything about it. But no, Davey sent the message. I'm all for it. And I like that it got public also. No, I guess we run the gamut on reactions to that then. But yeah, it was bad luck. And hopefully it's just not something that he ever does again. He, you know, he's, uh, he plays hard and that guy has all the heart for baseball. So, you know, you can't really hold it too much against him, but it was a bad mental mistake. And hopefully one we won't see again. Yeah. Well, there are some things we would like to see again, such as a message from our sponsor. As always, heaters, you know what time it is. It is time to hear from Manscaped. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, including Ryan and myself, with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping using our promo code HSHH20. They have a plethora of amazing new amazing products including the new lawnmower 4.0 which is revolutionary the best grooming tool for men in the game got better with lawnmower 4.0 and it can be yours again using promo code hshh20 go to manscape.com get the lawnmower 4.0 and anything else to uh you know pair with it and boost your men's grooming routine they have a bunch of great products that we use and cannot recommend enough. So we highly re- recommend anything on their site. We endorse everything on their site. So use our promo code HSHH20 to help us help you help us and let us know how you're uh, digging your new Manscaped uh, products and apparel and merch and all the above. Because we would love to hear your feedback. And I know Manscaped loves to hear, you know, the uh, consumer reviews and whatnot. So definitely share with us and use our promo code. All right. Let's talk about the Reds series. I thought this would be a good opportunity to point out that we have an awesome giveaway going on. When does that end, Nick? Uh, Tomorrow before the game. So you're listening to this today before the game, Tuesday. Got it. So, yeah, it's awesome. It's a Sean Doolittle bobblehead. You have to follow the account and retweet. And if you uh, retweet with your favorite memory of Sean Doolittle, you get an extra entry. So that was a super fun one. Looking forward to seeing who wins. Um, So what are you guys thinking? Um, What are your predictions for this series? What are your concerns, thoughts? Yes. So the Reds come in at 25, sorry, 20 and 25. They're three and seven in their last 10. You look at the probable pitchers. It's, Tyler Molly versus Max Scherzer, Jeff Hoffman versus Joe Ross, and then Sonny Gray versus Steven Strasburg. You look at their team ranks, um, they're 11th in offensive rating, 7th in WRC+, 3rd in home runs, 3rd in slugging, 6th in average. They can hit. 
The Reds are a very, very good offensive team. The reason why they're 20 and 25 is because they're 25th in the ERA for starting rotation. They're 28th in the ERA for the bullpen. Their pitching is not good. This is non-competitive pitching. Um, Sonny Gray, best pitcher they have, that's a competitive pitcher. The first two games, non-competitive. These are guys you absolutely have to beat up on. It's going to be hot this week. You have to take advantage of these two games. This lineup is good. It's probably going to make the starting rotation in this bullpen work, but it's okay because that's the Reds. The Reds are a power-hitting team. They're going to hit home runs left and right. They're going to score five runs on you, but they're also going to give up eight or nine runs. Their pitching sucks. You have have, have to take advantage of that, and you cannot afford to take less than two out of three because – after this series, you go Brewers when Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and their other very good pitcher are pitching. Atlanta, um, the Rays, who have won 11 straight. And then you have more divisional games after that. This is your last, quote, easier series. There's no easy series in baseball. But this is a series you absolutely have to win if you want to put yourself in a good position to be, being, excuse me, to be competitive in late June, early July. If you lose this, things are going to be a little rough because, like I said, you got Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff coming this weekend, and that's going to suck. So you have to beat this team. They're not good. Just take two or three. That's all you have to do. Or three of three would also be acceptable. Yeah. It's also a good time for the Red Series coming off the Orioles series because it's almost like we're ramping up to, you know, gear up for the, this tough stretch. You know, we have, you know, the the lowest tier team with the Orioles, and then you kind of go maybe a tier or two up and a team like the Reds where they're much better offensively than the Orioles were, but they still have weaknesses the with pitching. might even be worse. Pitching. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, it very well may be. So you still have an opportunity, but it is more of a test. And then obviously, like Ryan said, you get into some tougher games with the Brewers and Braves right behind. Um, so it is a good time. It will be a good test. You know, as far as the matchups goes, uh, Max just needs to avoid the long ball. And it sounds simple, but it just as great of a pitcher as he is, it just seems like every start uh, for the most part, he is prone to the long ball and the Reds are a team that hit the long ball quite often. Like Ryan said, they're in the, uh, in the majors and in home runs. So that's one area Max has to be careful about. And if he operates that uh, facet of pitching well, then he should have a typical Max Scherzer start. Joe Ross, his sinker needs to be moving um, and he needs to keep it down. Cause again, this team can hit you and hit you hard. So he needs to get that sinker working to hopefully get some ground balls and Strauss. I mean, you, we can say, what you know he needs to do but it's kind of hard to tell because we only have the one start since he's come back from the injury um so yeah he's gonna be facing a very tough lineup yeah and i would imagine his pitch count isn't going to be all that high i think he got pulled at like 72 or 79 pitches this most recent start so maybe like 85 uh depending on you know how the game's going and that might only be four or five innings, depending yeah, on where, how where the Yeah, where they're out in the lineup. <laughs> right. And, you know, the fact that he was walking guys, obviously you walk guys, your pitch count kind of goes a little bit higher than you normally would expect for a guy like first, uh, Strauss in, uh, in you know, the first few innings. So we'll, we'll see. But obviously, you know, we can break it down to the pitchers need to go deep into games to kind of relieve the bullpen a little bit before you face tougher teams where – your starting pitching will probably get hit a little bit harder, especially when you're getting to the weaker part with Corbin and Lester. Um, so, you know, you kind of got to spare the bullpen before 
they're probably going to need to be used uh, here in the, the second half of the week. Yeah, I, um, I'm most concerned about the Ross start. He's been pretty shaky and, uh, you know, with a, a very good Reds lineup, I, I have concerns if he's not got it in that he can't get that he can't get the ball down and they're hitting him all over the place and they have to pull him early. That might be a really taxing game for the bullpen. Hopefully not. But um, that's the one I kind of have penciled in as my, my biggest concern day of the series. Yeah. Uh, you know, you hope he can at least go deep in the games, even if he gives up. Well, obviously you hope he doesn't give up this many, but even if he gives up four or five runs, but goes six, maybe even seven, you're like, Okay, at least, it. It, at least he's pitching deep into games and he's doing what you would expect out of a, a five-starter. He's eating innings. That would be somewhat of a, a, a building block to go off of, again, before you hit a tougher stretch of your schedule. What you can't have is a four-inning start, especially when you know it's eight runs like it kind of has been recently. So I, I know we're all hoping for a Joe Ross rebound, and it would definitely come at the right time and hopefully, again, be something to build off of going forward. Yeah, it's going to be a fun series. Um, again, Doolittle coming back is going to be fun. Obviously, that's the genesis of the uh, giveaway we're doing this week. But, um, you know, Doolittle was such a huge part of the World Series run, and it's going to be awesome to see him back. I hope the Nats do something cool and give him a, a welcome video. I mean, I don't know exactly when we're going to see him in the series, but I assume they'll bring him out to pitch at least once so he can be properly welcomed. Yep. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. Okay. Um, I think that's it, and except for our one big thing. Uh, Ryan, what you got? Yeah, I I kind of touched up on it, but my one big thing is just the only sucks. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Not the, to put too fine a point on it, but yeah. No, like, <laughs> the Marlins are literally like a game and a half out first. Um, I don't count them in this, but the Mets are beyond broken. Their entire team is on the IL. The Phillies are absolutely falling apart. Everyone hates Joe Girardi. They can't win a game to save your life. The Braves, they're interesting. Um, I feel like, I said this before, but I honestly feel like they're kind of in the spot to take that leap with this division. But you've been in fifth place this entire year. You haven't been above 500 since opening day. You're only two and a half games out. Like So bad. You're, you're being gifted something here. Like If you were in the NL West, you'd be 12 games out. You're in the NL East, you're, again, you're 11 games out. Your season's kind of done. You're in the worst division in, in the league. Start winning these close games. I'm tired of these just horrible, like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, like these frustrating games that they keep losing. Win them, help yourself out, and who knows, maybe you'll get to 500 and you'll probably be two games up because this entire division is a dumpster fire. Just Take advantage of something for once in your life besides 2019. Every other year in this franchise, they've never been able to take, take advantage of anything. Now's your time to take advantage of it, and please do it. Like, I don't know, this division is absolutely a dumpster fire, and the fact that they've been in last place the entire year, while relatively healthy, is a little embarrassing. So, like, let's get this show going. Make your run. Last place in the worst division yeah, in baseball. Woohoo! Yeah, it's a uh, very DC sports not to make the most of a, a, a good year or a good window. Um, that, that's Insert caps but, uh, here. Right. Um, but to, to Ryan's point, you can't count on the NL East to suck forever. Eventually, you're going to have to make a move. Even if that move is selling, that's still a move. And we, we've talked about this last year at the trade deadline and, you know, several times over the offseason. So I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but you got to make a move. 
you know, steered this this franchise in a certain direction. Again, just because you may sell at this deadline doesn't, you know, take you out of spending this offseason and kind of ramping back up. It would just be, you know, a means to replenish the farm and give you some more assets to who you can then flip to trade and bring in more assets to help you at the major league level. But point being, you can't count on the Mets, Phillies, Braves to suck forever. I mean, hell, even the Marlins seem to have the upper hand on us at this current point in time. But, you know, as long as they make a move, I'll be happy, you know, one way or another. Uh, As far as someone I kind of hope gets it right, and he's been struggling a little bit, and that's Brad Hand. Once we get into these close games, we're going to need Brad Hand to be Brad Hand. He needs to lock it down. And Hudson has been phenomenal. And we have great complementary pieces like Suero and both who can fill in as needed. But Brad Hand needs to be Brad Hand. He's going to continue getting these closing opportunities. You know, Daniel Hudson might spell him a a time or two, but he's definitely not going to be the closer for the Nats. Um, So Brad Hand really needs to lock it down. Two more things. So I really have like five big things. Um, One, Chris Bryant. Not trying to take a victory lap, but for all those people to say we shouldn't trade for him because he's washed, I mean, I mean, just just no. Come on. Like, come on. Everyone could see that who, what he's done the last, you know, year or year plus was not who Chris Bryant was. The dude's an MVP. Anytime you get a chance to trade for MVP, so it's prime. You do it. Especially one whose stock is down and you could have gotten for way cheaper than Especially if it would have only cost you Carter Keeboom and maybe a, a one or two mid-level pitching prospects. That's just looking worse and worse as time goes on. Uh, last thing, I saw Russell Wilson um, kind of advocating for the A's to move to Portland. I think I mentioned on the show, or maybe it was just in conversation with you guys, Portland feels very much the A's vibe to me. Like I, I think Vegas would be the first choice for MLB, maybe even the A's and and the fans, but Portland fits the A's vibe because, you know, the A's, you know, the birthplace of Moneyball and all that stuff. And, you know, if they move to Vegas, they might have to assume the identity of a big market spender, which they're very much not and never have been. But Portland would fit that still small market, but, you know, warm embracing fan base vibe so i kind of like portland for the uh for the a's if that becomes a realistic possibility and i do like they're doing their uh due diligence on possible relocation spots excellent all right my one big thing is joe west (laughs) joe west everyone's favorite umpire who is tonight tying uh, the record for most games as a major league empire at 5,376 games. His first game he ever um, umped at the major league level was in 1976. He's played, he's been umping for 43 seasons in 51 ballparks and is of course renowned for being the worst and most 42 seasons too long. Right. Maybe 43 too long. Anyway, he's terrible. Um, and this is just to me emblematic of, how the unionized situation with the umpires is just a travesty for baseball. And not only is he awful and completely without any accountability for his awfulness, but the number of much better umpires who never made it to the major leagues because Joe West and guys like him have been in those jobs for that long is really a loss for the sport. You you could have had guys who were 
you know, not better because they're younger, but, you know, everybody slows down with age. Father time is undefeated. Joe West should have been out of the league a long time ago and a lot of other guys like him. And uh, I just wanted to point that out. Whatever happened to the, wasn't it the MLB or the MLB U, UA? That's the umpires association, right? The MLB UA. Mm-hmm. Is that what they yeah. Okay. Uh, didn't they distance themselves from Joe S after his, was it vaccine comments or? I think it was vaccine else? comments earlier in the year. Yeah. But really distancing themselves didn't amount to anything. Again, that's just. They're not going to, there's just literally no accountability for these umpires at all. They can be awful at their jobs. They can, you know, throw people out for no reason at all. They can alter, you know, with their crappy strike zones, they can alter careers, you know, to me, or it's way past time for the robot umps for balls and strikes. And just for, I really feel like there ought to be some sort of performance reviews for umpires. And was it, we were talking about it, I don't know, a couple of months ago, what they do over in the Korean Baseball League, where you literally get demoted back to the minor leagues if you're not good enough at your job. That is what we need. We need accountability for umpires because it's not okay for them to suck as much as they suck and to just keep on doing their job with no, and they never have to face the media. They never have to talk about the calls they missed even when they affect the outcome of the game. You know, there's no argument when you go before an arbitration panel and say, yeah, yeah, but, you know, 20 of these times where I struck out, they actually, I should have, that, that at bat, I shouldn't have struck out because it was bad calls from me. Like, you don't get to do that. Like, these guys have huge power and no accountability, and it sucks. Yeah, I mean, even at, you know, the level I coach, which is, you know, high school JV baseball, uh, you know, we have a pregame conference with the umpires, and, uh, you know, I had one umpire last week who, you know, we were going through the whole conference and he's like, my partner and I are, are trying to make varsity. Like this is, he's basically going through his whole spiel. This is JV baseball game, sportsmanship, da, 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 da. But he's like, my partner and I are trying to make varsity. So it's very clearly, clearly like, you know, a performance-based thing where you have to do well at the JV level after doing well at, you know, the maybe 12U travel level and, and work your way up to varsity. And then maybe you get the call for, you know, college or, or minor league. So why do these guys at the high school level have more accountability for their performance? than? Well, that's what league. I'm saying. Yeah. They like, don't have a union. Yeah, exactly. All, that's all it comes down to. Yeah, they have it's just really frustrating. And now that we're sitting here having this conversation, it makes me think we really should have talked about this with Pete Medhurst on the last episode because, you know, he, he does a lot of umpiring. Oh, well, we'll just have to get him back. We'll have to get him back on because I would love to hear his take on Joe West in particular, but the whole umpiring situation in general. And I mean, he, he did allude to uh, C.B. Buckner and Angel Hernandez, so I'm pretty sure we all know how he feels about the situation. Yes, but I want to hear him tell us anyway. This is true. <laughs> all right. Well, that was my one big thing. We got anything else before we get out of here? Uh, nope. Just again, oh God, I do it every time. Every single time. I always ask the question because I know you're going to say no, except this thing. <laughs> Damn. Well, get your entries in for the giveaway. Uh, if you're listening to this, you have until, uh, just like, before we'll call time. it, we'll call it 6 50 PM. Cause I'll, I'll need to look up all the entries and get ready to pick a winner around seven right before the game starts. Sweet. Yep. Make sure you guys do it. Thank you, as always, for listening. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And check us out on Twitter at Half Street High Heat and at the website at halfstreethighheat.com. And we'll talk in a couple days.
There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play, we're gonna win today Let's go Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.